Welcome, this is Quantum Nurse and I am Grace Asagra, your holistic registered nurse. Thank you so much, my dear audience, for always showing up, listening to the different episodes, because this is really created so I can provide you and together with my guest and you know the community that we're forming, that we can have all those resources of holistic insights, ideas, tools, so that you don't feel like you're running out of um, holistic tools. So for today, we have no other than a farmer of a special farm, hydroponic farm, and his name is Trevor Spear from, let me see if I say it right, Nanu's Farm. That's correct, Nanu's Farm. Okay, welcome Trevor, thank you for being here. Thank you, Grace. I appreciate you having me on. <laughs> so let's see. So I'll just say a little bit about Trevor, but as we go along, you'll, you'll hear more stories on him and his family and the farm and what matters to him that you also may matter to you, might help you as well in your health journey. So, Trevor Spear, you were, you, were, you were born and raised in Eastern North Carolina and with the understanding of nature and how it works within a community. And you said that a boat was sometimes a necessity, not a joy ride and hard chores were required if you wanted to play on Saturdays. Mm -hmm. Your parents' love and upbringing instilled an entrepreneurial spirit that has been a blessing and a curse all my life, all your life. <laughs> but it, it's kind of really funny because this reminds me also back home when if I want to play, I have to help first because my parents had a small restaurant. Mm -hmm. So we have to help in the restaurant. And, so, and then after 35 years in every aspect of construction, you decided to hang up your hard hat and find a new career. And you read an article about Kendall Musk's hydro, hydroponic farm and schedule a tour at freight farms. That while construction can be stressful, the joy that you remember is watching something grow from nothing and smells each state of the job would bring. Mm -hmm. So you have discovered those joys again in your second life, growing lettuce, root vegetables and herbs. So you could never be a traditional farmer with so many unknowns, but you are young at heart and enjoy new toys and tech. So growing hydroponics inside a shipping container was a perfect fit. That, that was fantastic. How did you write that? It sounds like something I would <laughs> Yes, that's something you would write. <laughs> I just have to make sure I, I make you happy or make my guest happy. Okay. But yeah, I don't think here we don't have a hydroponic farm, right? Not that you know of in New Jersey. Uh, you probably do. You're just not aware of it. Yeah. The only one I know, it was a, it was not a farm like yours. They weren't growing vegetables but they had some uh, house plants. So I remember going to that 
um, yeah, to that garden because they have some house plants that where they put all those uh, little pebbles, mm -hmm. right? And then, so I don't, I didn't need to put any soil. And there's this little piece of, of like a gauge where I could look if they need water. So that's my first experience with hydroponics. Right. Maybe that's probably a little more uh, aquaponics. Oh, okay. So see, <laughs> then, um, then I think I may have seen it somewhere also in Pennsylvania. It was part of a full garden, but they have one area where they have just to show the hydroponic way. But again, just looking at the pictures in your, on your website, not, not as sophisticated as yours. No, it is, the container is pretty sophisticated uh, as far as the automation. Yeah. Okay. How about you start by telling us about, about Nanu? Nanu was my grandmother. Um, uh, I think her name was supposed to be Nanny, but my cousin Skeet couldn't say Nanny. So he, at his age, he's called her Nanu and that stuck as, as most grandmother names do. Um, she lived in a, in a town called Washington, North Carolina, which is, which is we, we call that Little Washington here, as opposed to Washington, D.C. It's on the river. Um, and she grew up, she had sort of difficult life. Her husband died when my mother was seven. Um, so my mom didn't really know her father that well growing up. And she had Nanu, or her formal name was Lighty, which Lighty is actually my daughter's name. Uh, she had four children that she had to raise without a husband. Um, and she, so I don't really know what her occupation was after um, my great-grandfather, Abby, passed away. That's a good question. I need to ask my mother. But, uh, but Nanu had a great uh, garden almost year-round. It was about a half-acre garden. So we would go from Newburn to Washington on Sundays, for supper and, you know, hang out at the house with all the relatives and I would play in the garden. And then I would go there in the summer for a couple of weeks, you know, when we were out of school and stay with, with Nanu. And she would walk me up and down the garden and tell me about how to grow different kinds of uh, plants and produce, tomatoes and cucumbers and various things. She used to put pans of beer out little tin pans of beer and the slugs would get in those at night. And that's how she controlled her slugs from eating her plants. And there was, there was an old rusty knife next to the, the cans, the pans of beer. And my job was to cut the slugs in half with that old rusty knife. And sometimes she would run out of this old, the old beer, she called it beer that had gone bad. And she would tell me to go get uncle Kenny's good beer. <laughs> and put that in, but not tell him. <laughs> was the beer was was the beer um, part of what the, makes the slugs more? Is ye, I think there's yeast in beer, and the slugs oh. were attracted to the yeast. Yeah. Okay. Hmm. <laughs> Today, you know, the garden that I have, we we do that. If we have a slug problem, uh, we'll put some some tin pans, like a like a um, a pie pan. Uh, put that out with a little bit of beer in it, and it works. Those oh. those old rest, those old time fixes always seem to work better than the new uh, 
new stuff that involves various chemicals that we don't need. Okay. Yes, I, I was thinking of my sister because in the Philippines, she has this just little, little space. She's, she's like a master of little space. And mm -hmm. then she has this little rooftop. And yeah, I'm going to tell her. But she said she's really having a good compost and with just a small space and she will have all those good worms. <laughs> it will work. Now, worms are great. Slugs are not. So, yeah, good for her. Yeah. So um, how about your, your son is also involved. So your, your family, this garden is really such a real family garden. And I, that's why I like it so much because your son is also involved. And how does he like it? Yeah, my, I have, I have uh, three children. Uh, the boys are twins. And, uh, and then I have a daughter. Uh, Brayton runs the farm. He's 18. He just turned 18 about uh, a month ago. He graduated high school early. He did online studies and graduated um, six months early from high school. Uh, he loves it. I mean, he loves the freedom. He loves growing things. I mean, you know, if you're of that, that like mind where you, each day is a sense of accomplishment um, and that what is what gives you joy that you can finish your day and, and have a sense of accomplishment, he, you get that in the farm. I got that all, all my life in construction. I mean, of course, there's good days and bad days, but each day you sort of move ahead and you've, you've accomplished something from the previous day. Farming does that. Hydroponics does that even more so because you walk into the farm and things are growing constantly. Um, Brayton's in the farm every day managing it. I go by about every other day, sometimes maybe two or three days if I'm traveling for something. And it's, it's really amazed how much things have grown in that amount of time. So that gives you a lot of joy to see things grow and nurture them. Yeah, I, that's what the, the little kids also enjoy. Sometimes it doesn't even matter what kind of plant. You just give them something and they'll put it there and they, they just get so excited. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, and I also like the, your little story in your website about the Egyptian wall murals. Talk to me about that, you know, because I didn't even know the history of the lettuce. And I want that story just because I didn't grow up with, with lettuce. So I never tasted lettuce till I came to United States in 1985. But now when I go home, I notice that there's some lettuce in the Philippines. I didn't practically ask, are they growing it on the ground or anything? All I know is they're lettuce. And just like most plants and produce in the Philippines, they're smaller. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, but I think the plants adapt in the environment too. So yeah, do, do tell me about the history of the yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, I did the research myself and I found it just as fascinating uh, as, as what you said. Um, and I, I might get this right because I'm going from memory, but it, in one of the, uh, there's a mural in one of the um, pyramids where they're showing uh, uh, farming lettuce, a, a leafy type of green that's not, it's not a, it's not a plant, it's not a tree, it's not grass, it's obviously lettuce. There's some really cool pictures um, you can search on the internet. So they started harvesting it and growing it for, for consumption, um, which is one of the first things that we have documentation 2,700 years ago, 
that uh, a race of people was actually growing food specifically to eat. Normally it was a hunt and gather kind of scenario. Egyptians obviously were way ahead of their time. So they started doing it and then they realized the, the many benefits of it. Lettuce has a great benefit um, to help you sleep uh, and settle your stomach. And most of the time until recently, lettuce was always served at the end of the meal, not at the beginning of the meal. Um, and now they serve it at the beginning to help uh, the enzymes in your stomach prepare for additional food to come and it helps break down that food better. And then there's still a, an effect of serving it after the meal uh, to help you sleep and for relaxation. So it's really fascinating. So the, the uh, Egyptians did it, the Greeks learned from the Egyptians and the Romans learned from the Greeks. And the Romans are the ones that, that named it lettuce. It actually came from um, the Roman translation of the Greek, which was latuka. And then that translated into lettuce for us in, in English. Um, and then lettuce has been part of civilization ever since. Thomas Jefferson had 17 varieties of lettuce in Monticello. So growing that um, was easy to do. Lettuce is sort of fairly easy to grow. You have a lot of issues with pests and, and you know, outside forces and environmental concerns because it's a very delicate plant, but it is easy to start growing. Yeah, I, I have like four um, elevated planters. So yeah, and then when it, uh, late spring comes, then I start planting lettuce. <laughs> I don't even put them in small, how do you call, make some seedlings. I just put them straight on my, on my planter and just make a row. And then, so that's practically from um, late, early spring, mid spring to like late fall. I don't buy any lettuce because all I do is eat my lettuce from my garden. So it's so delicious. And, and, uh, but one thing, one habit that I do, because I don't think it's gonna happen in your farm is I tend not to pull the lettuce. I tend to just mm -hmm. cut some leaves and then let it keep growing. Yeah. And I don't, I don't mind if it gets bitter because I know some, you know, they said, oh, it gets, your lettuce is bitter. I said, I know because I don't really pull it when there it's sort of full. Right. Right. That, that's, a, that's a cut and grow, let, let any lettuce. Um, I, I think almost all varieties lettuce has some ability to cut and regrow. Some, some varieties are much better at that um, than others. And, but you're right, and, it's bitter, but that's fine because if you can take some of the bitter lettuce and then some of the newer lettuce that's still first generation and mix that, that makes a nice salad. Ex yeah, exactly. And you put more vinegar in it. It's not that bitter anymore. See, like me coming from the Philippines, I'm used to bitter food. So I'm mm -hmm. not, and I, I don't mind that. And then I think that the bitterness also reminds me of all those um, um, antioxidants in mm -hmm. the in the plant, so the bitter, the bitter it in an indigenous in the indigenous understanding and medicine in the Philippines, the bitter the medicine, the stronger. Okay, is that, so, is that accurate every time? Uh, I am, but or is that just what they told you as a kid? Oh well, I I find it for me. I find it. I'm stronger if I'm doing it in the garden and I'm doing all of that. Cause I put it in the smoothie. 
I know the difference if I'm just buying a from the from the health food store. Okay. And so I do that and I play a lot with leaves. That's why I like the I like uh, your your the lettuce. I can even do a smoothie from the broccoli leaf. And in the, so in I notice that all cultures have certain part of the plant that they use a lot and in another culture they will use another plant of the farm. So now I don't get scared if I play. All I know is I'm still alive, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so for all of you, those who are not confident and you're not sure, don't, you don't have to imitate what I'm doing. It's a matter of, you know, you have your own discretion. So that's the lettuce for that. Now in, in the farm, in your farm, what is your biggest challenge? The biggest challenge, well, there's a couple of challenges. The biggest would probably be tricky to say. I could say maybe the top two or three, and that is um, getting a schedule because we have different restaurants that want different varieties of lettuce. Uh, it would be helpful for us if, if all the restaurants would take a mixed bag, but they don't. So getting um, enough heads to service our contract needs is a little tricky. And then recently, with COVID, a lot of the restaurants have been closed or, or running at 50% capacity. So now we have a really big surplus of lettuce and we've got to move it out because different varieties have a different shelf life, if you will, or a harvest window. Some varieties can stay on the panels for a week past their harvest date and be perfectly fine. And other varieties need to be harvested in that, that week window, which hits the mark or they start going bad. So we give a lot of lettuce away to the local food bank uh, because we've got to turn and keep moving the product out the door. So that's been a challenge um, to find places for that to go. Oh, okay. But is it getting better now that the restaurants are open? In North yeah, in North Carolina, our governor still um, has not been kind enough to open all the restaurants yet. So we're still at uh, 50% capacity and in some some restaurants which is more of our clientele which is the higher end farm to table type restaurant um, those owners have chosen not to open and they're still doing takeout only and the thought and i can understand the thought process there is for them to open at 50 percent, they still have to staff the kitchen and the cleaning crew and all that behind the scenes at 80 or 100 percent uh, so they're, they're not, they make less money. It's not as profitable opening up at 50% yeah. as it would be. So when they do takeout, most, most restaurants won't do a, a salad as a takeout. So that still cuts into what we're doing. Oh, I can see that. I see. Okay. I didn't think of that, that the, the salad, they won't be ordering because I guess the family will be preparing their own salad. Preparing their own salad, or well, I think the restaurant, um, a lot of the restaurants you probably don't realize it's a restaurant group. So one entity owns four or five restaurants. That's probably how they actually make money. I think if you're a, a sole proprietor for a restaurant that's a high-end type restaurant, I think it's hard to make money at that. You need to have two or three restaurants so you can sort of feed off each other. But most of those big restaurant groups have an auxiliary kitchen somewhere in, in town. And in that auxiliary kitchen, 
they prepare a lot of the food and then that gets taken to the restaurant for the final preparation. So a lot of times those salads are cut and prepped at the auxiliary kitchen. And then the timeline from that until it goes to the restaurant and then it goes from a, from a takeout home delivery, I think they're concerned about the, the salad uh, going bad and wilting in that timeline. Oh, I see. Now, when you, you speak about the environment difference, what, what are you thinking about that? The environment uh, inside the farm or, or the environmental issues with hydroponics? Well, both inside. Now, is, is there an ideal environment that you need inside that you have to maintain? Yeah, it's, uh, the reason um, for us that lettuce grows so, so well inside our container, because you know our farm is inside a 40-foot shipping container. It's a refrigerated shipping container, so it's insulated. So inside our container, it's 65 degrees year-round, and the humidity is about 70 or 75%. Um, it's drip irrigation. We recycle our water. So we have about 7,000 plants going at one time. Our harvest is about 600 heads of lettuce a week. And the container uses less than 10 gallons of water to achieve that. Some days we're net positive for water because the air conditioning unit, the condensation coming off the air conditioning unit goes back into the main tank. And sometimes we have to dump water because we've got a gain of water. So it makes it really, really efficient. And it becomes an optimum growing for lettuce. It just grows it really, really well inside the container because you have no outside forces, environmental forces, which would be sun, wind, rain, pest, varmints. Inside the container, it is as clean or probably cleaner than the kitchen. It's a sterile environment. We wear booties, lab coats, gloves when we're inside working. So the lettuce grows to be a head of lettuce that is amazingly beautiful. Sometimes the lettuce looks almost plastic because it has had any, any, any environmental exposure. So it's in, a, it's in a sterile, perfect environment for growing lettuce. And that's why the restaurants love it so much. We'll take our lettuce to chefs and they're, they're in awe because one, we grow varieties of lettuce that no one else grows, varieties that you've never heard of. And then two, because it's such a beautiful head of lettuce, the chefs are just really, really blown away with what we can produce. Is there anything that um, for, for, for the lettuce and the consumers, do you, have a, do, do, are, do you have a difficulty reaching out more to restaurants who, who may wanna order this? Like, are, are you looking for that scenario where it could go and all over the states? Yeah, the, well, the interesting thing about the business model is because we're in a shipping container uh, where I live in Raleigh, it's 600 heads a week. It's about, about three containers would sort of max out that, um, that sales capacity for the, the type of restaurants that we cater to, the higher end restaurant. The other thing that we do is we do a home delivery so we have a certain area in town that we actually deliver to their door on Thursdays. Um, that business has picked up a little bit. We pushed that more after COVID because the restaurants were slow. But the other part of the business model is when 
when you grow out of your, or when you've maxed out sales in your particular area of town, uh, to keep the lettuce hyper-local, we just will place another container in, a, in the next town over near us. Instead of transporting the lettuce 30 minutes or, or 45 minutes an hour in, in the delivery van, we'll just take, the, take another container and place it right there in the middle of that particular city and start servicing that area. So it's sort of that we're accomplishing that food or overcoming that food desert although it's not really a food desert by definition, but because we're, we, our containers are 40 foot shipping container, we'll just drop it right in the middle of a downtown area, start growing lettuce inside, and then service all the restaurants and the people that live in that you know, 10 mile radius from that. So when we pull a head of lettuce to deliver to the restaurant chef or to deliver to someone's door, that lettuce was harvested within an hour. I see. Yeah, so you compare that is why it's, it's so so fresh. It's it's delivered with the root ball still intact, so that lettuce will continue to grow in the refrigerator for a week or more. So it stays extremely fresh for longer. You compare that to lettuce you buy at the grocery store. If it comes from California, it's shipped across the country. That lettuce was harvested at least five to seven days ago. So whatever, however many hundreds of hours that is compared to our one hour to two hours from harvest to delivery, it makes a big difference. Oh, so that's why you call it hyper-local. Hyper-local, yeah. Hyper-local, I think, originally was a, uh, a software term, but we sort of adopted it. It fits our business model pretty good. Yeah, it does. Oh, back to the water. Do you have to put some minerals in the water or vitamins or, you know, cause it's not growing outside and there's no soil or. Right. So in the, in the, in the hydroponic world, um, we add nutrients to the water. So there, the nutrients are all kinds of, uh, of minerals, magnesium, iron, calcium, phosphate, that's naturally occurring in soil. So soil is sand, and all these various micronutrients and minerals make up a healthy soil platform. We just take that as a nutrient. Uh, it's, it's a powder or a liquid form. It's in a tank and there's two parts, an A and a B part. And the, the onboard computer that runs the farm uh, the, is a recirculating pump that takes the water from the main tank and runs it through sensors constantly. And the sensors read the, the, uh, the efficiency and the nutrients in the water, and then it doses the amount of nutrients it needs to keep it at a particular level at all times. The same thing for uh, pH. So in lettuce, in growing lettuce, the optimum pH is about 5.8. So we stay in that 5.5 to 6 range for pH at all times, because that's what's most efficient for lettuce. And the automation controls all that too. I see. So that's a little bit more. I can see the picture of what you're doing. Oh, how is the, the hydroponic lettuce as compared to, the, in terms of nutrients, as compared to the organic one grown in the local farms, the old fashioned way? Have you, have you seen any study or comparison? Yeah, we, we think it is just as good or maybe better uh, a couple of reasons. There's always an ongoing argument 
or debate between the organic people and the hydroponic people. They have, you know, it's sort of, it's like Democrats and Republicans, right? They all have their own reasons why they're arguing. Um, but in our, in our viewpoint in the studies that we've done, we think hydroponics is just as nutritious and maybe more. And one of the reasons is that because we have a sterile environment and we control the atmosphere, the plants aren't struggling to, to combat all the outside forces in nature. So we, we've, we're sort of cheating the system, if you will, because all they have to do is grow. They have, don't have to fend off uh, super high temperatures, super low temperatures, wind that's constantly blowing, dust, all the pests. None of that comes into play. So this is a perfect environment to grow lettuce. So they grow better that way. The second thing I think is part of it is there's a, there's a couple of different types of uh, hydroponics. One of them is, is a floating hydroponic, which is sort of in the aquaponic family, where the lettuce sits on boards. So if you get a, um, if you get lettuce from a grocery store and it's, and it's hydroponic and you see the root ball on it, um, that's probably mass produced by a really big entity in a, you know, a warehouse that's got, you know, an acre under roof. And those guys grow flat on boards. So the, the lettuce has uh, endless supplies of water at all times. So it grows really easily, if you will. It, the lettuce doesn't have to struggle. It doesn't get a workout. It just grows because it's constantly being watered. In vertical hydroponics, the lettuce gets, gets watered um, for 15 minutes every hour, sometimes less depends on the variety. But what happens there is the lettuce has to go through that ebb and flow cycle of life, so to speak, that it doesn't have any water, it's thirsty, it's, it's having to work real hard, it's growing, it's stretching its muscles, and then it gets a little bit of a drink and then it goes back, which is a natural cycle of life that is having to actually work. And then when it's doing that, it's actually growing. And we believe the leaves and the stalks take, taste a lot tastier, they're firmer, stiffer stalks, a lot more crispness, because the plant is actually having to grow and not just being fed water all the time and or having to struggle with all the outside forces to survive. There's so much to know about it because now I remember from a small family, I really saw their little, you know, they were just, it's just for the family. They had that board and with mm -hmm. the water. Now I remember that. But then the, the vertical, I think I've seen that in that garden in one of the botanical gardens in uh, in Pennsylvania so yeah it's all, all all of those methods are very efficient to grow lettuce um so we we just believe that that the reason our lettuce looks so good and tastes so good the difference that we're doing from the others um that probably justifies why it looks and tastes better because that's one that's the one dynamic that we do different just if I think about that the plants have their emotions and intelligence, they're, they're just like people, we can be struggling so much with all the conditions happening. So I guess if they're treated really well, then they could be so relaxed. <laughs> that reminds me again on some, in the last visit, I, I, I went to this mountainous area in the Philippines and in mountain province, far, far away from my region. And I see all the women, they have so much, their beautiful skin and, you know, and just nice and happy. 
first, the weather there, it, it's always like a little cool, not, not too hot, not too cold. And then, of course, their plants, their vegetables, they, they, it's, it's the garden where the water from here turned down. It, it's just beautiful. So I no wonder why they have all those uh, nicer skin than the ones coming from my area. So It makes sense. Fun. I mean, their, their life is a little easier and they don't have to work as hard. But some of that work, you know, is sort of, it, it's, it's subliminal. I mean, you, you know, you're not realizing Lettuce doesn't realize it's doing it, and, 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 and humans maybe don't realize that we're having stress from outside forces that are affecting our environment and our skin and our, our mental state. Those things sort of happen subliminally. How about food safety? Is, are you under very strict regulations? Um, we, we're so, we, we self-regulate, and we're, we're very strict upon ourselves. Uh, in, in our state, if we're, if we're a small farm, we only get inspected twice a year and there's certain standards that we meet. We go beyond that. So it, like I said earlier, it's a sterile environment. It's all stainless steel, um, kitchen, you know, commercial grade stainless steel. So everything is wiped down and cleaned every day. Uh, and we wear booties, lab coats and gloves at all times when we're inside the farm. We have a vestibule outside the farm to change our shoes and when we step in. So there's no outside pests that can get inside the farm. Uh, and then the cleanliness that we do, uh, it, it, makes, it makes a difference. So the, the ability for us to have some kind of bacteria, E. coli, salmonella that is inside the farm is really almost impossible. The water that comes in from the city runs through a UV filter. So we remove all biochemicals and, and, and any kind of uh, germs that are inside the water are eliminated through the UV light. And then it goes through a secondary filtration that removes chloramine, fluoride, and lead from the water. And then so the water is as pure as it can be, and then it goes to the, to the farm and it gets reconditioned with the various nutrients that the plant needs. So uh, uh, a bacteria outbreak in the farm would be, knock on wood, uh, almost impossible. Do you plan to have this like, um, I know you, you said you could just drop, you could put like a container in any city. Mm -hmm. where, how, where, where can we see your business in five, 10 years from now? Uh, our, our business model, we, we have a second container on the way. The third one is sort of in the queue. As soon as the restaurant's open again, we'll meet that demand. Um, we, we, we hope and, I, and, and it should be on track if we can, our biggest problem right now is COVID we should have containers in three or four cities in North Carolina and it continue to grow. Oh. Because we're, we're bringing, we're, we're servicing the, the restaurants and the chefs, but the, the home delivery is really a unique aspect too that I didn't initially plan on. But we have a lot of individuals that are just taken away and somewhat addicted to our lettuce and they get, they get four heads delivered every week. Uh, and they're and they're very adamant about it. And they because once once you start eating something that fresh, you sort of can't go back. It's if you've ever had you know a backyard chicken and had eggs from backyard chickens, it's those eggs are completely different. Even from the free range chickens you hear about, it's still different when you do it yourself and it's in a small environment. It's a much better tasting egg, and our lettuce is the same way. Do you? Do you think um, 
do you think this doing this is sustainable for anyone who wants to be a farmer like you as compared to doing the local the old-fashioned way of farming uh, it's, it's very sustainable and um i really think it's probably the way that we're going to be growing um, almost all produce going forward you know me, me being in the building business i'm sort of talking against myself but development has there's no, nowhere else for development to go for new housing except for farmland moving outside the city. So the farmland is getting taken, you know, thousands of acres every year by development. That's another argument, but that is a fact and you can't get around that. So for us to meet the food demand that we need to for the population, we've got to find an alternate source and hydroponics is the way to do it and grow it inside a shipping container gives you the ability to place that farm anywhere. All you need is electricity and water, and you can grow really meaningful produce inside this container, and you can put it anywhere in the city. So the farmers for small farms, I think small farms will still exist. The really big farms um, that grow soybeans and corn and major crops like that that are used in other areas besides uh, human consumption, they still will exist. But that, that medium-sized farm that grows produce is going to slowly probably die off and more of that will become hydroponics. I, I really like small farms and small businesses. I still remember before the COVID or be, before even I live in Princeton, New Jersey, and I, I saw a lot of little businesses, hardware store, and then slowly the bigger you know, franchise comes in. I feel sad that the, the, the business people are, you know, doing, they don't have their, what, what did they call it here? Mom and pop stores. Yep. Yeah. And so I, I, I like to people to be conscious about that, that there's, there's always other than the nutrients, there's that fellowship, that relationship, that camaraderie, that support that, oh, you know your, you know where your produce comes from, you know where your pie comes from, who cooks that, yeah. And what- well, it, It's very important to buy, to buy local, um, but it's, it's really important to know where your food comes from. I mean, everyone, there's so much contaminant in food, there's so much, uh, if you have pre prepared or packaged food, there's so many chemicals in that that's harmful, seriously harmful to your body. Uh, and people tend to buy by the price tag and by the bulk and they don't buy by the quality of the food. So you should, you should know where your food comes from. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, is there anything more that surprises you lately in terms of our, our economy? Cause you've been affected badly and you're going to try to, you'll rise up again. Yeah, I, I, I'm hopeful about uh, our business model. Um, we've got to get through the, through the pandemic and, and get that behind us. And uh, we, of course, we have an election coming up here and um, that's going to be, you know, a mess. There's no, no way that's going to turn out to be positive for everybody. And the riots are going to probably get worse. But we'll get through that. And I think, you know, come December or January, things will settle down and get back to normal. Um, and our, our business model will continue to grow. Lettuce, lettuce will still be very successful. Um, so, yeah, I have great hope for the future. I think we've got a bumpy few months to get through between now and then. And when you say success or when you hear success, 
what comes into your mind? How do you measure that? That's a good question. You know, obviously success is, is measured by, uh, by the bank account. Um, the ego tells you to do that. Uh, I don't look at it that much. Um, obviously it's nice to, to have, um, to have decent income and pay your bills and live a nice life. I think success also comes from what you give back to other people. And can you make other people happy and satisfied by, by your gifts or your, or your service to others? So that, that is just as important as uh, keeping your bank account full. Do I understand it correctly that even when you were doing construction and now you're doing this, this is, that's all part of your entrepreneurial self-employment journey? Yeah, I've, um, I worked for a company, a building company for seven years. Uh, and, and I worked at a, at a photography studio for about a year during college. But that's the only two jobs I've ever had. I'm 52. That was not as uh, self-employed. What would you advise to someone your age, uh, not your age, I mean, when you were, when you decided to go into the self-employment world, what would you tell them? I, I would say don't, don't do it. <laughs> no, I mean, the, you have to be wired a certain way. You got to be, you got to be a, a child at heart. You have to be slightly crazy. Um, you have to have ambition and drive. And, you know, you, you work a 16, 18 hour day one day, and then the next day you can, you know, only work three or four hours. I mean, it's so chaotic and back and forth. But to be self-employed, you have to work hard all the time. And you, you just can't really take your, you can't rest. Um, and I don't mean that in a, in a stressful way. It's just that because you are a handful, you and three or four employees are working on a goal. You don't, you're not IBM with hundreds of employees that get delegated and you sit at a desk and just get fat and happy and talk at the water cooler. And when you're self-employed, you don't have that. You're hustling and pushing all the time and you're trying to innovate and find out new ways to do things and constantly overcoming objections. Every day, it's, it's really to me that um, three in a row, you know, is a really accurate statement in the universe that things happen in threes and you'll have two or three things happen in one day that are really good or really bad. And the next day is going to be the opposite. So no, no matter how bad your day is today, tomorrow is a new day. And it usually is the opposite of the previous day, which also means the day after that's going to be a, a real crap. But that's the way it works. And if you're not resilient enough to bounce through that and laugh through the absurdity, then you probably need a nine to five job. It's always good to hear straight from the person doing the work already. <laughs> Before I became a nurse, I asked two nurses and then one, they were totally different opinion. And I just decided which one I will do. So I still became a nurse. <laughs> and are you, are you happy with that? Did that work out the way you thought at the time? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I just, I just knew that it's, it, it's not all peaches and cream. That's all I know. <laughs> I think life, I, mean, I have friends uh, that have a, a nine to five type job um, and they're saving for retirement. They get their two weeks of vacation, you know, but their personality fits that. And it's not bad. It's just that, but 
those guys are that steady Eddie that just does their thing. Um, and the other people you recognize that are entrepreneurs, they're, they're, you know, they work hard, play hard. Uh, the people that do that really do play hard. So they, they have a good time in life, but sometimes <laughs> they can't have a good time. They have to go work really hard. So it's just two different ways to look at it. It's true. Now, so is there anything that keeps you awake at night? Um, I think, I think finances will keep you awake at night um, as an entrepreneur because either you're historically you're flush with cash or you don't have any cash. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> that's the way it always tends to happen, all the businesses that I've had over the years. So you do that. And I think also you, there's, a, there's a schedule that you need to meet. And it's a self-imposed schedule or deadline that you wanted to get X done this week. And you and I uh, wake up from that saying, you know, I'm not on track to, to reach my goal that I set, uh, you know, by Friday. Um, so those things keep you awake. Yeah. But overall, your health is good. I think so. I mean, the doctor says my health is good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I think when you're an entrepreneur, you can, you can take time off for yourself. I mean, it's important to, to take time off and, you know, sharpen the tool. Um, so in, in that ebb and flow, when, when, when you work really hard and you have a, you know, four or five days in a row when you're really working, you can take time off by your own choice to rest up and get your physical and mental health back in check. So you can go attack it again the next day. But that brings me to my mind is the situation where caregivers, um, Sometimes they don't have the choice, yeah. you know, be, unless it, it, they, I know others, they could make choices, they can ask for help. But what would be our good advice then for someone who is taking care of their loved ones and it's chronically, it's a chronic stress. And others, let's see, others I know, they have their own businesses and most, most of them are employed or they're retired. Well, what can we suggest to them? Because you're, you're running your business and it's not, as you said, you play hard or you work hard and then you play hard. Yeah. Well, first of all, eat more lettuce is what everyone should do. Um, <laughs> Always good. I, I think my experience is that you, you, you get too, too deep in the, in the trees to see the forest. Um, so even though... And I do that even when things are, can be very stressful. Maybe I developed this or maybe it's, you know, part of my soul contract, but I have the ability to be super calm in a very stressful situation. And that comes from years of being in maybe that situation. And also knowing that being reactionary to a situation is only going to exacerbate it and it will not get any better that way. So you need to find the ability to step back uh, from the situation and find a calming moment and then go back to it again. And care workers, I, I, you know, I feel for them because they don't really get that, that time off. They're sort of, when they're on, they're really on. Um, but if you can find a way in any situation, just to, just to walk away from it for five or 10 minutes, you know, go take a walk around the block before you make that phone call because your attitude will be a hundred percent different if you walk around the block for 10 minutes and then make the phone call, then if you made the phone call right when the event happened. That's one good practical advice. Walk around the block. 
walk yeah. around the block. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's true because uh, that reminds me also when you know, when I used to work in ICU and it, things get stressful. And one time the doctor said, "Do you want to walk with me outside?" Then we just walk around and then go back again to the unit, and it makes a big difference. So, so what makes you happy? Um, I think I think just sort of uh, satisfying others. Um, it's probably a trait I got from my mother, um, which is a good trait. But you know, I, I, I get a lot of joy out of helping other people. Um, so that's that's an easy thing um, to do to make to make me happy. I don't have to put too much effort into it. So in our in our business, we give a lot of lettuce away. We we work at soup kitchens and help people out. So there's a there's a joy there that you get a sense of accomplishment and satisfaction that's not really based on a business model or profitability. Is there anything more that you want to change in your life if you have to? That's a big question. We don't have time for that answer. <laughs> um, I don't, you know, I, I look at a life a lot and I really believe that everything happens for a reason. Uh, when you're in that moment, you probably think, you know, life's terrible and, and this all sucks and blah, blah, blah. But if you give it time, you, you know, you're, I think your soul's journey has to get you from here to here. And how you navigate that is up to you, you know, as, as, a, as a, a being on the planet, how do you get from here to there? Um, but sometimes I think you get off course. And I think God and universe knocks you back on course because you strayed too far from your your objective as to why you're here and what you're supposed to accomplish on this journey. So I think that's when things, good things and bad things happen is you get, you get rerouted on the path you're supposed to be on to accomplish your goals. And sometimes that's joyful and sometimes that's painful. So I don't think I would change anything. I might do things a little bit differently with the same outcome, but I wouldn't change the outcomes. Thank you. Thank you for the, all this time and you know we're coming to close but if you have any more few words and statements i usually end with a quantum affirmation and i could share that with you please and, and this affirmation i encourage the viewers to say this three times in the morning three times at noon and three times in the evening and really feel it I like when you were talking about your soul contract and other things. So that's another conversation for the next episode in the future. And the lettuce will be talking to you and what to say. Okay. The lettuce <laughs> does talk to us. You know, I didn't tell you, we, we play classical music uh, in the farm when the lettuce is growing. And we really believe uh, that the lettuce, that those vibrations uh, from classical music does resonate in the growth of the plant. Oh, I'm so glad you said that because when I was looking at, <clears throat> at your website, I was really imagining, I wonder, you know, what else do they do with the music, etc. Because the company where I get my supplements also, they play certain music, okay, for the, for the employees. And that includes already the production of the supplements. Well, it's, it's, a, it's a frequency, obviously, um, so it makes a difference. And um, I, think, I think any, any living 
entity relates to that that uh, positive high, you know higher frequency so yes yeah, i think it makes a difference so okay guys so listen up because it's very important to understand that when the frequency of the plant resonates to your to our body's frequency it it the 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 relationship i call that a relationship is much better and so they they talk to each other so if you have other ailment i think with even without us having that well it, intention is always good but if we just kind of eat without even <laughs> praying well hopefully not then they know to they have a conversation so it helps that's what i believe too so this, this affirmation says, letting go of anger. I choose to release the anger, hurt, resentment, and criticism that are holding me back. Instead, I choose love and forgiveness. All is fine with me in the universe. I am thankful for the lessons I receive. I love and appreciate myself. I choose to release the anger, hurt, resentment, and criticism that are holding me back. Instead, I choose love and forgiveness. All is fine with the me in the universe. I am thankful for the lessons I receive. I love and appreciate myself. I choose to release the anger, hurt, resentment, and criticism that are holding me back. Instead, I choose love and forgiveness. All is fine with me in the universe. I am thankful for the lessons I receive. I love and appreciate myself. That's awesome. I like that. Will you send that to me? Thank you. I will. Good. And, and so to our audience, thank you so much. If you like any of this, um, Trevor, please tell us again your website and so that they would know. Although I'm going to print, I'm going to put all your con contacts in the description as, as well. But yeah. I want to hear you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's Nanu's farm which is n-a-n-u-e-s farm.com so visit us there and see all the things we're doing we're always posting new uh, information on our blog and new photos and we're always growing new varieties of lettuce which is always fun to see those photos of what we're doing so check us out and um, check out the quantum nurse.life so we're giving three free video series and so that's it's just my way of communicating with you of constantly connecting with you and i believe nano's farm website will have something like that as well so do do connect with that and um if you have any more questions feel free email me email um email trevor and if you like this share it to other people and subscribe and then we'll form our community of hydroponic um, fans yes. <laughs> right okay thank you so much and in my language i say mabalos mabalos okay thank you very much grace